Hi and welcome to Seeking Sustainability Live podcast. And today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, indigo, Japanese traditional indigo dyeing. And we have an expert today. We have Hanga Yoshihara Horvalt, who's in Tokushima. And she is an artisan who is combining her Hungarian traditions, her Hungarian designs together with Japanese designs and Japanese traditions. We're going to be talking about indigo dye, Japanese style, natural dyes, embroidery, lots of wonderful topics. So thank you so much for joining, Hanga. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful you could join. So have you been in Tokushima about 10 years? Is that right? 13 years already. Wow. And now you are wearing some beautiful knit that you made with some indigo dye. Okay, first, after several things, when I was 33 years old, I started um, uh, at a design university where I studied uh, knitting, machine knitting. Before that, I wanted to learn print, but I didn't really like the print department. So that's why I chose knitting because I saw that I could uh, still make fabric patterns and colors. That's the part I really interested. But by the way, I also can learn about a little bit uh, fashion and shape and uh, put together the clothes. So um, I learned a lot of uh, knitting, but then uh, when I uh, finished master, I went to doctorate course, course where I already wanted to concentrate in um, plant dyeing. But during my three year study, I realized that plant dyeing is like too wide. Of course, my theme was like uh, plant dyeing knitting because my base was knitting. But then I just narrowed for indigo dyeing and I was lucky enough to come to Japan, to Tokushima. It's my second time with scholarship in Japan to make my research here. And um, I was very, very concentrated on how to, to dye, how to make the fermentation but dye because it's quite complicated. And I was focusing in um, shibori and uh, tie-dye and uh, folded dye. You are showing here the pictures. Uh, but um, after a very long study and a late uh, childbirth, at last, at a very high age, I reached for my root. And now it's maybe one or two years. I um, returned to knitting clothes now. It's just, I finished this last week. So I wish we spoke a few weeks later and I could show you more things, but if you are interested, please follow my work. Yeah, no, fantastic. And you have been uh, featured in local Tokushima magazines in Japanese and English, I think. Um, I love the story that you said you discovered about Japanese indigo dye when you were in England and you really like the white and the blue combination. Was it Sashiko that you saw? Yeah, Sashiko. Uh, it's, 
I don't, many of you know, but I explained to who don't know it. It's a very, very simple, it's a simply running stitch, just up and down, up and down. It's a straight line. And it's many, sometimes comes on white uh, fabric and the indigo blue uh, thread, but sometimes the opposite or blue on blue, but it's just very minimalistic, a very minimalist, minimal and uh, very simply like, you can not make less and i was like amazed about this simplicity and also the complexity of the geometry that you can make with this even though if you make this running stream like yes no yes no yes no and just it's like computer so it's like very deep very simple and very deep went to england because i wanted to learn uh, patchwork and quilting and that's why i uh, I quit wanting to be painter. Uh, I changed for textile because I felt like it's more feminine, it's more soft and you can cover the body softly. Painter is still inside me because I like square things and just color and pattern and make very soft. I don't make, I cannot make and I don't want to make very complex forms, just very simple shapes. Also knitting machine is, it's a, uh, very usable for simply things like growing and so beautiful i i'm showing on screen the is it a hungarian embroidery style and i saw that you have been teaching embroidery and hungarian designs in classes in japan um can you tell us about that what kinds of things are you teaching i have been teaching for six years um i made embroidery with my grandmothers when I was a kid, but it was just like a passing time at a summer holiday. I didn't go in very deep and I really feel like it's a shame we didn't make more pictures. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't have digital camera. So it, we didn't make pictures just in a normal house. But now I really regret that and when I Came, I went to the university in a basic year. We learned some of the traditional embroidery, but you know, we were very young and we wanted to just start. We have to make this, but I was a little more interested than others because my uh, father is very interested in this um, uh, rural art and craft, everyday uh, object. But you know, it was a basic year, then we didn't really do that. And um, during the university, of course, I was like in um, this surface design, like just make like sketches. Like I, I liked using thread. And of course, because I'm knitter, I use thread also for shapes and for structures. And when I, in a doctorate course, I even taught uh, surface design, but it's all modern things, like use a blanket stitch, but opening and rolling, it's not like a, formally made embroidery. It's more difficult than traditional one, the new one, but in some uh, meaning it's uh, less complicated because you can make anything. And then when I finished my study here in, uh, in Tokushima and I have my site and I was looking for work, um, in different places they asked me to teach about Hungary Hungarian history, but I was, oh, no way, I, I cannot do that. 
And uh, and I was thinking, and I went back, and I thought in a cultural center that okay, let me teach about Hungarian embroidery because I saw that it's quite popular in Japan. Even you can find more books on Hungarian embroidery, new ones, than in Hungary. That's so amazing. So then I found out. Yeah. Yeah, then and I started we... to teach um, first only Kalocha embroidery. And then I was studying because I wasn't so deep. But now I just love more and more and study more and more. And now I teach almost all the different embroideries of Hungary. That's beautiful. We actually have had two other guests in the talk show, and one of them is a cyclist, uh, Reka, and she's from Hungary, and she's a cyclist, a great cyclist in Japan. And she My introduced friend. the bug. Is it your friend? Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And then we had Paprika Girl, who is very uh, knowledgeable about kimono culture, and she often puts together Hungarian styles in her designs uh, around her house. So we talked about that a little bit. Um, and then you said that when you go back to Hungary, you also t teach about Japanese indigo or Japanese design. So you're teaching about Hungarian design in Japan and you go back and teach Japanese design in Hungary. I love that combination and uh, fusion of the different cultures is so wonderful. Yes, it's uh, it's very good, but also very lucky because I feel like I don't do any special things. I just um, do what I like. And since I'm living in Japan, I'm very welcome for teaching in Hungary. Maybe if I still living in Hungary, no such uh, such a chance and uh, now here being in Japan to tell the truth being in an indigo community you know I I I love very much shibori and I learned quite a lot but I do when somebody asked me for a work but um, I was just thinking a lot and decided to continue and uh, knitting because Japanese don't do it so much so I, 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 I felt a little bit like I have to leave this Japanese tradition for the Japanese, like um, not competing. Maybe if I cannot do embroidery and uh, uh, knitting, maybe I continue doing and make some novelty. Sometimes I make. <laughs> I'm now working in a clothes collection with like uh, very not traditional shibori. <laughs> It's beautiful. But, yeah. How, how it's really, really lucky I can use my Hungarian stuff here and my Japanese stuff there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I often read your Instagram. Your Instagram has so many wonderful pictures, but also you are teaching about indigo, Japanese indigo, and your design using natural dyes and indigo, talking about how sustainable indigo is from the growing of indigo until the uh, end of life when the water waste goes back in it is not damaging to the environment and this is one of my favorite things about indigo 
And of course, Tokushima is very famous for growing the best natural indigo in Japan for many years. So you're in a perfect location, is that right? Yes, uh, when I was applying for the scholarship with the one I came originally to Tokushima, I could go to Tokyo and um, Kyoto, very famous art university, but my previous um, plan die teacher told me, go to Tokushima, this is the place. And other persons heard I want to go to, I wanted to go to Tokushima, don't go to Tokushima, don't go to Shikoku, there is nothing, not even convenience store, but I said, I'm not interested in convenience stores, I want to study, I want to concentrate in Indigo, so I was just happy, no other things there, but it's not true, of course. And um, in Tokushima, they uh, prepare 80% of uh, the leaves. And uh, my husband is a researcher of the indigo plant. He's working in uh, agriculture. He is working with making um, breeding, breeding um, a better plant, uh, easier to gather. Uh, I'm not sure how to say it. To yeah, gather or harvest. A better shape yep. and more indigo in. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I wish it was easier to find. I'm always looking for indigo. I saw you are now growing some of your own isome plants, some of your own indigo plants. Um, you talked a little bit about the import um, indigo, which has chemicals inside. So the Japanese one, which is natural, is so much better for the environment but also you feel more relaxed when you have it on your hands or wearing it, right? So the natural one is, of course, more valuable, I think. Yeah, and it's not only when you buy and wear, but I work with kids from zero year, from few months in a nursery and a preschool. And uh, myself think sometimes that natural indigo is quite expensive. So since I teach, I think it's very good to give to the hand to the persons, the plant, because the plant itself is not so expensive and it's very easy to grow. So teach them how to use themselves. And um, I really, I come from um, medicinal herbs hobby and uh, plant dyer background. So I really searching all the time for things that even a zero year kid can touch and maybe put in the mouth. We have to be careful because not all the plants die are mouth safe, but indigo, it can be eaten. So yummy, but sometimes yeah. they make even tempura or cookies. I've seen that, you know, and something that I would love to see, and maybe you have an idea, I my hair is turning white and gray. I want to use indigo in my hair and make a natural blue hair hair dye. If you find anyone who's making hair, beauty products or hair products with natural indigo, I would love that. <laughs> okay, make I will send you the link. I oh. hope they um, send the Indian variation, but I will send you the link from indigo studio where many women with white hair or bleached hair just put their hair in the water 
and die. I'm looking forward to becoming real white. <laughs> I'm quite I, near, but I, have to. I want and they to do put that. It in the water, yeah. but it's very alkali, so it's not so good for the hair. But okay. you know that soap is also alkali, and then you can put on vinegar. So yeah, I think I, it's really um, nah, even if it's not so good for the hair, I want to try once to <laughs> just die directly. Yeah. I want to try it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, fermented dye for indigo? Because when I did a workshop, we had the fresh leaves um, version where we made a very light color. And then the fermented version, of course, has a very deep color. Um, can you talk a little bit about the different types? Yeah, and even I will tell you secrets because I don't have secrets and I love to share everything I know. And um, uh, the one, the fresh leaves, it's you, it's like um, uh, green smoothie. Just smash the plant with hand, but you can also use with your uh, blender and press out the green. Um, juice and put in a silk you only can dye silk with this it's very easy you don't need anything but you can dye silk and i just have learned last year that if you treat your uh, cotton or or not animal uh, the plant-based uh, fabrics with soy milk natural not treated uh, soy milk and dry it then you can apply this um, fresh juice on it. Um, the soy milk here is something like a binder. So when you wash many, many times or just, how do you say? Just contactors. I cannot remember now why you see. It's, um, Maybe the color comes out a little bit, but it's like the same, like jeans. Because the indigo is on, this is the fiber and the indigo is on it. When you move it a lot, it falls down. Some other plant dyes comes more inside. So when we dye that color, we smash it to go inside. And in the Japanese name, sometimes it's a very dark color. You have like smashed blue if you translate to English, because you have to beat or beaten blue. Japanese color names are very beautiful. It's like haiku. So then uh, going from the, the fresh juice recipe, uh, there is some American recipes, just heating it a little bit and put some uh, slaked lime and a little bit of glucose or fructose. I use very cheap honey. And then you can um, dye uh, cotton with that and it's very interesting that I learned all these recipes from America and England because um, here in Tokushima they are mastering the sukumo the indigo leaf compost so and it's very good and very stable and very strong color if you repeat but um, since they have it at hand, they don't think about this uh, uh, plant dye methods. They, this is a very traditional and very good and, uh, method. And for me, it's very interesting and very free being a um, foreigner. 
because I'm free to learn not only, of course, because I speak English and uh, Spanish, it's make me able to get a lot wider information. So it's very interesting to see that the plant went out and now it's a really big blue, a boom, not bloom, boom in um, Europe and uh, America, the Japanese indigo persicaria tintoria or polygon tintorium is the same but has two names for some reason. And it's, um, for me, it's so nice to see that uh, other people find new uses of the indigo and the Japanese are like so surprised when I see you can use the indigo juice, fresh juice for cotton how. And you know, we are in Tokushima, so it's so nice to hear, hear this surprise. Um, I would love to have more uh, chance to use the fresh indigo leaves. Um, maybe I can ask some local farmers um, to grow indigo for me because I know it's in high demand. A lot of designers are always looking for indigo but you are in the perfect place in Tokushima. You must have indigo everywhere around you, right? <laughs> but you will be surprised, but there is a big, big problem in Tokushima. There is not enough farmers for, they cannot produce or they don't produce as much as the demand. And one of the work of my husband in agriculture is making easier the work because uh, the indigo farmers and the indigo leaf composter, uh, Aishi-san, are getting older. And uh, now at, at last we have few uh, young persons, but it's not very easy to enter in this old world, you know? Yeah. They, but, they, need, they, yeah. they need followers, but somehow it's not so easy to enter. I hear this a lot about farming in Japan, that there's not enough young people becoming farmers. The number is decreasing every year. I hope that with organic um, produce going higher and the demand for organic getting higher, the level of cost and how much money they can get from farming hopefully is going up as well. Um, that's a big problem when they do the hard work, but they get so little money. So there's very little incentive to go into that industry. So if we have high demand and the cost is a little bit better, maybe we can get more young farmers to grow indigo naturally. That would be wonderful. Yeah. I saw I saw that you're using many different dyeing techniques. You have a beautiful gradation from dark to light blue to almost white. I love this style that you're using. Can you tell us how do you do that? What's the process? Yes. Um, first of all, I love ikat very much. And I love also maths, geometric in nature. So these the two things. Uh, inspire me doing that. Need you have only one yarn, so the, this ikat style becomes different. I made it white and uh, I prepared the cloth and dyed after. But uh, other things, which one? This is also, this um, woven stole is also dyed after knitting. I dyed the yarn itself, I make gradation 
like uh, white or maybe sometimes not without white and make darker and darker and I go knitting and um, it can be just a structure knitting or it is um, right down. Musk was um, like a punch card, like sometimes two colors and uh, I can even mix like lighter blue gradation and darker blue gradation and it can be just slightly visible or almost not visible difference. I love using this very much because it's, it's uh, from my view of point, it's similar to nature that is like everything is the same or just that not same, just similar, just like very slight differences. And I find that um, looking at nature, it's so relaxing. And I try to uh, reflect these things I like in nature. It's so beautiful. I love it. And you made such gorgeous masks as well um, from the weaving style. So you said you studied weaving and knitting at university and then uh, also studied uh, Aizome and dyeing on a scholarship back in Japan in Shikoku University. So you've had both experiences like in your education in the past. Is that right? I didn't learn weaving, just one class, so it's almost nothing. But I like weaving very much. So maybe my knitting is a little bit like weaving, but you know that knitting is plastic, so it's very, very suitable for wearables. No stretches, no pressing. I like clothes and I try to make clothes that when you put on, you don't feel, I mean, like as comfortable as naked. <laughs> That's it, like what you're wearing right now is like a summer sweater, right? You know, Kimetsu no Yaiba, it's for my son. <laughs> Color, when you make a base of yellow and yellow, it's very easy to obtain from um, plant dye. Many of the plants gives yellow, then you over that just a little bit of blue. I love it very much. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, we have a question from Riki Okanda, who I mentioned earlier, who's doing kimono, but she sometimes uses Hungarian style in decoration. Uh, she says, the gradation you are wearing is very beautiful. Do you sell it anywhere? Yeah, I will start from now on. <laughs> I'm working on that. Wonderful. I'm sure it'll be very popular. Uh, besides, in, before I move on from Indigo, I should also mention, you said your husband is also working with Indigo, Japanese Indigo in agriculture, and your son is named Aoi, is that right? Yes. It means um, blue wearable, but it's a wearable that the monks wear. Yeah, it's lovely. I love that. I remember so, I didn't explain about the fermentation, so I have to. Uh, okay, it yeah. It's very important about please, indigo. Please, please. Yeah, go ahead. So I came to Tokushima because they grow the plant itself here. So I had a vision like have a plant from the seed and uh, grown on the same soil. I'm just working and living and um, 
they ferment here and they make the fermentation die here and they dye here the blue and um, I think it's very very important for me as an artist to can make myself all the process or, or just have it very near to me like local product and uh, also find it very useful as a teacher because nowadays the kids today don't know about how things are made and also cannot wait. I really see also in my kid that with the many television and many screen time, but not only this in Japan, they have to learn from so young, they don't have time for uh, playing. So it's, um, of course, it's because of the adults, they are in so much hurry and cannot wait. But when you plant a seed, seed you cannot make it hurry. You have to wait. So I think it's such a good experience for this. They have to care about it every day because it's die if you don't water it. And it needs a year or more than a year to seed and have um, the fresh leaves or the compost. And I um, started to do, but I forget to make a picture about cotton because in Tokushima we can grow cotton. It's not 100% good because of the monsoon sometimes it gets rotten but uh, it's enough for the kids to can see that you plant the seed you wait many months and you have this fluffy thing and they are so so surprised when i say that your t-shirt is made from this your jeans is woven and I, they are looking at me what what's that and even teacher says oh really and um in tokushima uh, they uh, plant the seed uh, after the frost, maybe in April or May, and it's growing very fast. It's uh, not weed. It's a relative of not weed, so it's very near to a weed. So it's very easy to grow. You only have to be careful to put on nutrients, enough nutrients, because you can have a nice green plant. It's a little bit similar to basil. But if you don't put enough nutrients, in the soil, it won't be blue enough. We used to just uh, take a little bit of the upper leaves and just press. And uh, if my hand becomes very blue, then it's good. If not, we need to put on more nutrients. And it smells and then makes sounds. So it's like five cents uh, experience for the kids and for adults also. And um, in Tokushima, they can get the crop I didn't remember the name, how to say that, <laughs> uh, two or three times, generally three times, but they make only two times the part where they want to have the flowers. But in Europe, maybe we can have only one crop for the seeds. It depends on the climate. But I see that in very wide climate, they use the indigo outside of Japan. And after they, um, Compost it, it is the same compost and you, your compost. <laughs> so just move around to have enough oxygen inside and make heat. It becomes very hot and very ammonia smell. And um, it takes about uh, 90 days. It, it's a very, very long and um, work consuming work. And my husband is working on um, 
other ways of uh, make easier use more machines but it's like um, many old traditional persons are against making newer but um, yeah you know there are different point of views because my husband said why do you stop here you you because they use tractors but if you want to make so traditional you have to cut with the I don't, I don't know how to say this very traditional no tractor so which one you make a very traditional or very new one but if you for money maybe you have to make some newer things because uh, um, you know that making rice here it gets you can get a lot more money with less work so nobody won't make nobody will make um, uh, indigo if it's so so hard work in, a, in the hottest time so he tries to make it uh, easier to produce and also by well, speaking about him not about me but it's about indigo uh, he's um expert about making very very pure um indigo precipitate indigo precipitate it's made in india with the indian variety indigo feather and also in okinawa with the Okinawa UQI, the Ceylon indigo, it's a different kind. And um, but in Tokushima, there are very, very different opinions about if it's uh, indigo precipitate is good or not because the traditional is a sukumo, the leaf compost. But for me, as a foreigner and coming from plant dye world, for me any cheaper and pure thing it's okay and especially for for teaching but also for artwork if you have a pure plant uh, material and it's cheaper than the other it's better to use mm. do you know how much does it cost <laughs> there no. is like a, this straw bag traditional straw bag and it's about Mm, no, I'm not sure, but more than 50 kilograms, 52 or 56 is like a Japanese measure, and it's maybe 120,000 yen. Oh my gosh, so it's really expensive. So it's like a treasure, it? yeah. So, wow. Well, so one let's... problem in indigo, this price, yeah. and also that there is not enough leaf, because even if it's so expensive, many people want to buy, but uh, myself, if I don't grow my plants, I cannot buy for that price. Right. So yeah. I, I, I would be happy if the price would be more affordable. Wow. I, I, I had, think it would be I good had for no everybody. Idea. Yeah. Uh, why don't more people grow it if it's such a good price, right? Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the other natural dyes that you're doing. I love your idea to use kitchen waste to make natural dyes. For example, onion skins. Can you tell us about it? I love it. Maybe this was the first dye stuff I uh, tried out when I was maybe 16 or 18 years. And um, I didn't use so much when I was doing indigo, but now I am just becoming, returning to my roots. And, uh, and now after almost 30 years, it's a very, very different um, 
way of seeing my plant die because then it was just like a natural fun. But now after, in 30 years, the world changed so much. So I, um, I also reviewing my knowledge about plant dying with uh, this sustainable uh, way of thinking. And um, I really, really love to show the kids at, uh, at everywhere to show making things from, from um, not using money. But when you use waste, it's not only that you don't use money, but you also make less waste. So it's like a double, maybe not only double because you get a nice thing. So maybe three achievements. And it's really easy, really, really easy. When, if you are thinking about trying out natural plant dye, I suggest you to start with onion skin because you can use without mordant. Mordant is a chemical or an agent that you use to have more better bond between the fiber of the textile and the and the material of the dye but when you use um, animal protein i mean silk or wool but if you are e ecological or you think what do you use you prefer maybe wool than silk and it's very easy to dye because you can use without more than that's great. Uh, and what a beautiful colors you see here. Beautiful it's color. Just, yeah. I dyed it. Yeah, I just dyed longer, nothing else. That's gorgeous. So does it make a color difference if it's a red onion peel versus the white or brown onion peel? Is it the same result? Definitely. I the upper one we say Hungarian lilac, <laughs> lilac uh, onion. This purple skin makes a little bit greener and it's also very, very deep scientifically why it looks reddish and becomes greenish. And when you use other mordants, it becomes even greener. And it's a very, very complex color. It's like mixing yellow, red and green, very complex color with the orange, but the white skin it's more like orange, or you can go until brown. I love, love, love the color you got from avocado skin as well. That's beautiful. This is my first avocado dye, and I learned this in, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. One of my <laughs> place for learning is uh, Instagram. And I really, really love the color and I still want to experience more because this time I didn't use any more than and I used the skin. Then I used fresh skin and fresh um, avocado pit and just uh, um, heated and had a long time in the wool. But now I have more um, Every time I eat, I cannot throw away anything. So for me, cooking takes more time because I peel the onion and put it in the back and put it in the fridge. And uh, my freezer now is almost full of avocado pits. But I really feel like a masturbator, what I can use. But you know, it's sometimes it's too much for an artist because you can use almost everything. So you cannot throw out anything. 
That's great. I love that idea. Um, so not only save your kitchen scraps to use compost in the garden, but save your kitchen scraps to do dyeing, natural dyeing, and then put it in the garden. Because it's natural, you don't have to worry about chemicals. I love that. Uh, you also did eucalyptus. I love the eucalyptus color as well. Yeah, uh, to tell the truth, the two one I put the picture outside, it's more yellowish and oranges. And the one with this um, purple, little purplish gray, it's a kind that I don't have now, but I got from a friend. But definitely very soon I will plant in my garden. And um, I started to make plant dyeing because of herbs, not a medicinal plant. So it's the same thing. Uh, I I uh, make uh, the, I use the smell for my kid when he has asthma. And uh, you know it feels so good to wear something a, a healing plant. And um, I also learned and still learning uh, flower remedy and homeopathy and aroma. So everything comes together, <laughs> color therapy. Yeah, I think especially uh, like when my my children were little as well and they have a cold or they're a bit stuffy, using eucalyptus on their skin makes it feel cool and they can breathe, breathe easier. Um, also indigo, Izome has great like natural properties. Um, they say that in Japan, if you wear Izome dyed clothing, the insects stay away. And it has natural antibacterial properties. So there's a lot of benefit for natural indigo and many of the other natural ingredients that you're using. It's wonderful. Yes, to tell the truth, not all these properties are approved. Uh, I just tell everybody, if you want to make research, I suggest you to research on indigo because so many things not yet studied and not proved. And um, now uh, this property of um, being good for the skin and uh, good against the bug, it looks like it, the fresh if dye is works better. But now in Tokushima, in different universities, they also studied uh, different enzymes and different components from the indigo for skin, for eczema atopy. I don't know which one is English, maybe eczema, the allergy. Sometimes English, Japanese. Yeah. Well, you, you speak so many different languages. It must get all mixed up. You're doing great. Don't worry. Uh, Mo said, you know so much, you should write a book. Thank you, Mo. And she is asking, what do you do with the avocado pit, the avocado seed? Do you use that for the dyeing, the avocado seed, the pit? Yes. Yes, I, uh, I use now mixed. But um, it looks like if you use only the avocado, it give, gives even a little bit more pinker color. But it depends on your material, if it, and it's pretreated or not, and the more than so a lot more exploring. 
to tell the truth, I made all this experience last year, but we moved to a house from a flat and I had the garden and started to experience. And at last, I was so much, I didn't have time to put everything on Instagram. <laughs> but for today, I, I uh, put on because I really wanted to put share all the time. Yeah, wonderful. And I'm I glad also have a coffee. You know, my husband every morning leaves a little bit of coffee and I'm, oh, this dark coffee, I cannot throw away. And I better die than drink too much coffee. So I just made a piece. I, I Next time I will put on on Instagram. Maybe I dipped more 20 days every day because more dipping makes darker color. And I get oh, a very yes. nice dark brown with that. Because yeah. first I died and I thought, oh, why is it so light? It's not like coffee. But when I repeat mm -hmm. the 20 days, and also you can uh, dye with tea, and not new tea, you can just, you need a lot when it's like already once used tea, but you can gather it. But probably many person gather it for the compost. <laughs> I love that idea. I wonder if around your house or even inside your house or garden, you have different containers full of different natural dyes that you're trying. Do you use it around your house? I want to visit you. <laughs> <laughs> now we are renting a house, so we cannot do everything we would like. But in the future, I really would like to That's use great. all my uh, we, I love vegetables very much. We eat a lot of vegetables. So I really would love to make our own compost and use for the, my indigo yeah. farm. Oh, that would be great. I also saw that you are raising a silkworm. Can you tell us about your silkworm? I was so interested in that. Uh, it's a little sad story, <laughs> but I will tell and the next time I will do better. Uh, we went to study uh, Japanese matter, uh, Akane, and uh, our hosts had a lot of silkworms and they uh, gave to anybody one to two days. And I have, you know, in Europe, we don't have such reach for silk like in Asia. We have, I have never seen it. It's like something very, very um, uh, strange thing. Or um, so we got two. And first, my husband said, "Oh no, we have many, many bugs here because I have a son. <laughs> you know, Japanese. Uh, uh, how do you say? Children Beatles love, love to things. collect." They love to collect insects, right? The children. Yeah, but it's we awesome. don't have this uh, this um, thing in in Europe. We are like, oh no, bugs, please. We don't have like this funny and nice books and lot of things. So for me, it's like a very very new experience. And um, now we got these two silkworms, and my husband, said, oh no more because it will be a pair and give more kids. <laughs> But uh, when it comes for forming this um, cocoon, he also started, so I hope one is female and one is male, and then we can continue and give to the nursery. The Japanese nursery and 
press school is so nice. They keep so many different animals to show to the kids. They really try to give many things to the kids that they cannot have at home. But unfortunately, one um, transformed very healthy. But the one we put on the cup, we were suggested to put on this transparent plastic. But uh, you know, plastic it probably ca couldn't get enough um, oxygen. Probably the host who gave me, they didn't know we want to have it alive after that. They thought we want to have only the cocoon, but we wanted the animal, <laughs> the insect. So well, now we are regretting so much. We didn't know much more about it. So we had one, the female, after we understood it was female because put out the pheromone stuff and put on the eggs, but it's like, you know, the eggs without the uh, the eggs without the male, so it's just not becoming. But we want to try it again and make it better. Well, it's a it's a good experience. It's a good way to understand how silk is made. Silk was a yes. big industry in Japan for many years, right? Yes, and now I really I have heard when I was making felting that you can use these cocoons cut out by the worm, you know, the, the fiber just starts to be endless, so you cannot make the yarn, but you can still use the shorter fibers for your felting. So I want to study about this because I definitely won't kill my um, any inside the cocoons and I want to come out and have the rest and learn how to use the rest. And this uh, yellow color is natural color. I think me and other people think the white cocoon is the, the natural color, but then we just learned from my son's Japanese books <laughs> that the uh, yellow one is the traditional one and um, the white is just the change of the gene. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it's so nice for you because your passion is all about making things from nature to understand the process as well as a designer, as a maker, as an artist, right? Yes, I was shocked now. I, I'm, how to say, ashamed that I have, I am, 46 years old and I study textile and I, I should, I, I, I probably learned that they are killed inside, but now maybe I learned and I forgot, I never saw it and we don't have so much silk in Europe, but now when I saw this animal and I attached in my mind that every one of these animals is killed for however long, yeah, and I was, oh, oh, maybe I have to rethink my relationship about silk yeah it's it's difficult right because if you dive into almost any material that we use or any product that we buy there's something very unsavory about most things so trying to make better choices comes with education so I love that you're teaching yourself about these things. It's wonderful. Can I just mention one more thing that you're doing with your son? You're mending his clothes. Now, if I could sew 
I would have loved to do this when I was a mother of a young child because I had a son who was so active and he would break through all of his trousers and jeans so quickly and you're mending them with patches and it's so cute. And I just love this idea to extend the life of children's clothes a bit longer. Great idea. Well, thank you so much you mentioned this because you know my work is textile, but I can say maybe my hobby is this. <laughs> And um, so cute. Yeah, and it's I love doing it so much. Probably I'm not sure. Maybe because my grandmother, who made it for need, he she raised seven children at the end and after the war. So he he was she was so good making it. I can also make the proper way of darning. But I really love and relaxes me so much to make just like sketching, like free one. I, I call myself like a free motion uh, darning. And I'm also thinking to teach to other many person, don't make it because since darning is like weaving, you have to learn and so systematic and so you have to make that woven structure but no you can just put a lot of yarn inside and just don't stop in doing i i want to make a workshop with the indigo yarn and this uh, free motion one and telling that anyone can do it if you can hold a um how do you say hurry a needle 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 <laughs> yeah i remember it if you can hold the needle you can make it but there are even other methods to do it and um, the teachers around my son are laughing that you are happy when, when he comes home with a hole and that, that's true <laughs> you know that it's very complicated thing uh, that uh, clothes can be so cheap and if you are making things it's like not all happy things and I'm laughing. I'm just making the cheap clothes more. Well, <laughs> more you're valuable. you're actually you're actually improving it because it makes it more fun to wear and more interesting, more durable. Good job. Yeah, awesome. Uh, just for the last few minutes, I would love to talk about how you are combining the Hungarian embroidery and indigo in the same kind of product or wear. I see some examples here. So for example, you have the embroidery on a button and then you have the indigo dyed sweater or shirt. I think that's such a nice way to combine the two cultures together. Yeah, one of the main areas is teaching. Even this black and blue is one piece of I thought it's my um, students' work. And to tell the truth, embroidery takes a lot of time. So now I have just small embroideries now, but I hope in the future I will have more. And um, in these buttons, there are some free embroideries, but I made also some traditional Hungarian ones and also um, be used with my husband Hungarian embroidery pattern um, reserve dye you know when you 
pot, not silk print, but the Japanese traditional persimmon treated paper and cut out pattern like a stencil. Yeah, it's a stencil. And you put on this um, um, rice paste and let it dry, and this keeps white the part. So I didn't embroider, but we used the pattern, traditional patterns like old color chalk embroidery because it's like an affordable way of using the patterns but of course i'm like a further thinking that i can put this white uh, embroidery pattern on the cloth and then i or other person can make the traditional embroidery on it it's so beautiful i love it um ricky is saying that embroidery is so hungarian i love it <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know everybody that Hungarian embroidery is not only Kalocha and Macho. There are so many different... Um, I am being Hungarian, I'm surprised. In such a small country, it's a, a little bit smaller than uh, Obiger. It's about like Hokkaido. But it's in the center of Europe. So many times the people were like just dying out because of a lot of wars. And the, the kings are calling other peoples to come inside, like Czech people or German people or different uh, uh, nationalities. So, so I think that that's why so many different uh, style of embroidery in Hungary. It's so rich, it's really so... And I told you at first, I was like shocked, no, I cannot teach Hungarian uh, history, but through the embroidery, just I'm just learning little bit and little bit and little bit of uh, my uh, own history. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. So beautiful. And uh, thank you so much for sharing some of your ideas about natural dyes and Hungarian design in Japan and then teaching Japanese design back in Hungary. I love this combination of Hungarian traditional art and culture combined with Japanese traditional art and culture and nature in involved as well. So trying to do it a natural way. Thank you so much, Henge, for joining us today. Thank you so much. And if everybody has any question after in Instagram, I share anything. I love teaching, so I have no secrets. Yeah, definitely uh, find Hanga on Instagram. Uh, your Instagram name, it's kind of covered right now. Can you tell us the Instagram name? Yes, I have spelled in English. C I C I C D. A R E K and uh, 12 23rd is my birthday. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for joining and uh, please join us again tomorrow as we talk to illustrators and artists. IC4, which is based in Hiroshima, they did a really beautiful book. And uh, it's going to be part of a video game. So that'll be a really fun talk tomorrow at 5 p.m. Please join us again. Thank you so much, Hanga. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Everybody have a good day. Thank you so much. Bye.